Welcome to Court and Call, a no drama podcast, episode seven. Writing for, performing, and improvising comedy for both stage and screen. It's that time of year again. This week we announced our spring shindig. It's going to be on the 13th of March and it will be online again following our successful online production in October. In the run-up, I will be discussing with different artists, different actors, different directors and so forth about writing and acting in different genres. This week we're going to focus a little bit more on comedy and improvisation. On this edition, I will be speaking with the talented director, writer, producer, comedian and actor, Tamron Reinecke. Tamron was kind enough to sit down and have a great chat with me not only about comedy and improvisation and how it can enhance your writing or acting ability, but also we discuss about taking more of a backseat towards acting and moving on to the other side of the coin, focusing on production values, directing, both for film and stage. We also discuss Tamron taking on the role of director within an emerging production company, Pale Rebel Productions. And now I am absolutely delighted to say that I am being joined on this week's Court and Call by Tamron Reinecke. Hello, hey, Tamron. pronounced it right. Nice. I pronounced it. it right. I didn't ask you just before we start recording either. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, Tamron. You are very, very welcome to the podcast. I'm delighted to have you on. And uh, I mentioned in the intro, our spring shindig is coming up. And I am going to be discussing over the next few weeks just different genres, both writing and performing elements of different genres. But you're, you're a fantastic comedic actress. Yeah, thank you. I've witnessed that several times firsthand. And I know you're involved with stand-up comedies and I know you're involved with productions. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on. But just to kick off, we'll talk a little bit about the comedy element. And even to kick off further, I even just want to give a little rundown about your background and your history, okay. how you've led up yeah. to where you are now. Sure. I mean, I, I um, yeah, like stop me if I keep rambling or anything. But uh, Ramble away. My background when it comes to, um, I suppose, the whole the whole spiel is that I started in no drama. I worked in no drama, kind of like participated in no drama years ago, like I think six or six years ago, seven years ago, mm-hmm. uh, when I was working full time kind of corporate nine to five job. Uh, suited and booted and all that sort of stuff and it was very much like I took it up as a passion as a hobby Mm -hmm. um, from my youth you know I did plays and stuff when I was younger and then I I thought it would be a good kind of hobby to take on while I was working full-time and then over time that passion sort of grew into me realizing that it I wanted to pursue something in the arts full-time so about four years ago I quit my full-time job um, took some time out to think about it and then came back and realized I wanted to work in film um, specifically at the time I was really interested in pursuing acting so I was like okay I'm gonna pursue acting full-time and there's no doubt that no drama played a big part in that because I did a lot of plays with no drama and I always really enjoyed the experience and it kind of inspired me to follow that path a little bit more. Um, so when I came back from traveling, I took some time off to travel. I decided to pursue it full time. And that quickly progressed into me writing um, and directing a little bit and then producing. And ultimately, that's kind of the path I've taken. So I run a company with my business partner, Emma Foley. We run a film production company. And um, we started that three years ago. We met doing like a writing acting course. We both wanted to pursue writing and acting, discovered that we we were quite good at producing. So the actual making of the things was something that we both really enjoyed um, and just ended up pursuing that. And, and in conjunction with that, I was still acting a bit, 
writing, directing, and kind of pursuing a lot of different creative out- outlets. Um, and I started to improvise. So that's kind of on the comedy side. I joined mob theater. Yeah. I joined tightrope, a bunch of different improv communities uh, and was performing a lot live. So those kind of things have been happening a lot over the last couple of years. Um, filmmaking has taken up a huge amount of like my headspace and, and I produced an, um, a feature film last year, which went on to win Galway, myself and Emma. And uh, we just produced our second feature film, um, which is in post-production now. And at the same time, we're sort of producing and making short films. And I wrote and directed a short film last year that'll hopefully go on the festival circuit this year. Um, and hopefully we'll write and direct something else this year. Uh, I've definitely taken a step back from acting. Sure. Just because I've discovered that like there's a load of other ways to be sure, involved sure. in the three that are a little bit more accessible and a little less with me for me personally that the acting can be quite um <laughs> it, it takes a lot of self-criticism and you you end up looking inwards a lot which I struggled with personally so I, was sure, quite, sure. Ah, I think I'm gonna pursue something a little less um uh, scary <laughs> I can feel your pain I am because I'm more moving into the directing and the writing side of things myself and I think it's a gradual a control yeah yeah it's the, I don't know I think it's it is definitely a control thing you, you, I think that's within you you feel it and it, I think it's just a case of it emerging from yourself and you having the confidence and the, and the bravery to kind of do it um yeah so certainly i'm nowhere near your standard at the moment but it's nice <laughs> to know you can make that successful transition if you put your mind right and, and and go about it and work long and hard about it because it's a lot of work it is um, it is it but is. that's excellent but it's worth it you know it's exactly. um it's really great to be working in the arts and in this creative space and sure. um getting to produce work that you're really i think there was a time in my life when i always thought oh you know you, you would spend your time working in an office fantasizing about um if I was to like be in a film and like, oh my God, imagine I got to work with this person or imagine I got to go to the Oscars one day. <laughs> and that was like a big fantasy. And you did, that was your fantasy life. Like you'd go to course, work every day yeah. and I'm thinking about the fantasy. And then when I made the decision to transition, the biggest thing that's changed for me from that perspective is that like those things, whilst they're still very far away, like getting to somewhere like the BAFTAs or the Oscars, are like huge, still huge dreams. Course, They're so much yeah. tangible because you're actually doing the thing that could lead there. You're actually Absolutely. doing the thing that could take you to those places that you spent a lot of time fantasizing about or like <laughs> living in a pretend world where you were the person who worked in film. Now I am the person that works in film. And that's been very exciting and kind of, um, it's been a bit of a relief really because I think I was living a pretend life before. Yeah. Now I'm living a bit more of a like real life. <laughs> real life, but you're living the dream also. I mean, it's work and it's passionate, but if it's something you're so passionate about and you want to do it, I mean, it's yeah. very brave to just, just as you said, quit your day job and, and go and pursue it. I mean, I think a lot of people would love to do that, but the reality kicks in and then they back off. Yeah. And like, oh. and yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah, no, I was in a really lucky position yeah. when I left my job that my, I went to my parents and I was like, so I'm going to, um, like I was living at a home and stuff, but I was like, I'm going to sure. quit my job and pursue film. <laughs> and thankfully my mom's reaction to that was like, Oh, thank God. Thank God. It needed to happen. It needed to happen. Yeah, I was like, Oh, yeah. mom. And then they've been very supportive ever since. Wonderful. Cause it took until I'd say in the, only in the last year, has there been any real sense of like stability coming within sure. the career? Cause uh, before that it was all very precarious and slowly, but surely we're getting to a point yeah. where we start to feel like, we're really doing it and we're making a living doing it slowly but surely and all that sort of good stuff yeah definitely and i always say 
And it's something the great actress who I'm a great admirer of, Betty Davis, always says, you know, the money will follow. If the work uh, is good, don't chase the money up front. Quality work, the money will eventually come and you yeah. definitely produce a quality yeah. work. So that will happen. I have no <laughs> yeah, doubt about it. That was one of the most interesting things about when we first started and we kind of moved into the industry. Myself and Emma was... Um, you're kind of told as an actor I feel like you get told this a lot like you have to say yes to everything you have to do everything and um and very quickly we both kind of agreed between ourselves that we knew what we wanted we wanted to be making films and we wanted to be making feature films and potentially showrunners so like doing tv series but we didn't that meant saying no to a lot of things and some of them were gigs some of them were gigs that you got paid for and that's a luxury that we had at the time and we were able to say no but I think very quickly I was like I don't actually know that that's 100% the right mentality saying yes to everything can lower your quality bar and it means you're doing work that you're not particularly interested in and at times work that you don't really rate yourself and that's a luxurious position to be in I think like there are times when you have to say yes to certain work Sure, sure. but um, but I think it's important to um, be willing to say no uh, yeah. so that you're kind of, you know. Absolutely. Uh, Make yourself a little bit exclusive and put yeah, the, time and yeah. the effort in that you know you're going to produce quality stuff. Now, I did mention yeah. at the beginning of the podcast, we have Air Spring Shindy coming up, which as I'm sure most of our listeners know, but we also have some new members joining our drama, even in an online stance with the whole COVID situation going on. And we're going to be on the radio as well on Saturday evenings, Dublin South. FM 93.9 so we're hopefully going to find a new audience there too and they may not know what the shindig is it's our boy annual uh, showcase night you could say where we basically just run a muck and produce some all sorts of crazy and fun and wild and wonderful little pieces vignettes you could call them uh, yeah. we had to shorten uh, I'm going to tr- tell a bit of a story we had to be brought in a, well I don't know if it's uh, still an official rule but we brought in a rule where they have to be in, in the theatre sense we normally do it in the Pierce Centre but we're doing it online this time around uh, we've done that with the Halloween one as well oh, so the cool. pieces are five minutes long in the theatre sense they're 15 minutes long because I co-wrote a piece a couple of years ago and this is how we met initially I think we had maybe met once or twice briefly before but it was the first time we really got a chance to speak to each other and kind of get to know one another Myself and Peter Blenner Hassett wrote a shindig piece and it ended up being 40 minutes long. And I think we broke the uh, we broke the barrier after that. No shindig piece could ever be that long. <laughs> and uh, it was directed by the fantastic Louise Dunn. But um, to go to, with comedy, I mean, you know, we know you're involved in comedy. You, the role that me and Peter wrote, it was very zany and you played a blinder on it because it was so funny. And you know, in certain situations where people are laughing, but they're kind of laughing to be polite or they're laughing to just for the sake of it. And we got some genuine yeah. laughs. And I was elated because it was the first time I had ever written anything for the Shindig. And I guess you could say semi significant. <laughs> first time anything was ever really properly picked up. And certainly the first time anything had been put before an audience. And the laughter, I couldn't get over it. I couldn't actually just, the, the, you're, you're talking about how, how you backed off of acting because. In one sense, it was the timing was fantastic. And that is extremely hard to do. Uh, (laughs) Everyone can wail around and be dramatic and melodramatic. But to get the comedy timing down is very, very, oh, it has to be pristine. And I guess when it comes to a character for comedy, the main character, at least, you could say needs to have or even appear to have an authentic voice. And if the reader or the observer, anyone in the audience doesn't connect to the tone, the laughs won't come. Yeah. 
So you had a dat night because the laughs came. What would you say to that now? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm thrilled. I, you, you're remembering it better than I would because you, you when you're on stage, everything's blinded. just a blur. You yeah. remember nothing and you think that you were probably the worst thing that's ever happened to theatre. Um, but that's great. I'm delighted you were happy. When you write something and somebody performs it, it's a really gut-wrenching experience. Um, not not in a negative way. It's just it, sure. it can be very visceral because you're watching your work come to life, and exactly. um, you're you're so nervous for the because whenever I've written anything and I've seen somebody perform it, the nerves I feel for them because I know what I wanted, and also I know what I was supposed to be doing. The words were supposed to be doing, and if it's not working, it can be really hard. And when it does work, you feel very good. So I'm delighted that you felt it went well. No, um, yeah, I mean, I think like comedies it's all a taste thing and like there's so there's such a wide range of comedy out there yeah i think my kind of comedy it's not it's the stuff that i tend to veer towards um is probably as you said quite authentic like authentic kind of real people put into yeah. bizarre circumstances yeah. so whenever i've done theater i think the main thing that i've always tried to bring to any theater work that i've done in the past has been um trying to be incredibly real yeah. because that's what makes it funny and <laughs> yeah. um, so slapstick wouldn't necessarily be what I'd like lean towards although I've ended up sure. with a ton of stuff people would describe as slapstick comedy yeah. or yeah. very over yeah. comedy I'm like a character actor I suppose when I did yeah. act it was always quite big um I, I've, I've tended to yeah comedy tends to be where I end up when it when it came to acting and that was sort of where I guess in a sense my strengths lay um and then moving into improv really yeah really I, I think I was doing improv when I did your play um, and it had completely changed my outlook on how to approach well I don't know about improv because the script was word for word so it was certainly <laughs> memorized I'm sure there no, was improv but, elements you, but yeah. <laughs> you're always you always kind of like you should be true to the script but I think what it what improv had taught me at that point and my approach to theater acting had sort of changed a little bit I'm making it seemed like I'm a real actor and I had like really intense like no. ways of work which I didn't I didn't always but it was always very light and fun but right. um, I do think that my perspective had changed because improv is all about um listening and being really in the moment like you have to really be looking at your scene partner and and being really the really great improv is really authentic and yeah. really real and really honest yeah and it taught me to let go of like it, it just taught me to be, a. I think it helps with your comic timing when you then actually go in to do a theater piece because yeah. you're, you're really grounded. You're really focused on like what's really happening in front of you. And it gives you some real reactions and sure. stuff like that. So I think it made me a stronger doing improv. I've said it to, I mean, I've said it to a couple of no drama members in the past and stuff. I was always like, if, you know, I think if you're really serious about pursuing acting, yeah. doing improv is, is really helpful for unlocking like authenticity yeah. and being very in moment and being a strong listener and stuff like that. It's not for everyone, but I think it's worth doing even just to kind of open up yeah. another way of thinking, you know, about yeah. the work. Cause anytime you ever done a workshop, it was always like that. You are, you always kind of relay that at the end or even during the workshop. And it always helped, certainly helped me. And I know with it with several other people as well, because people are, I think improv people either love it or hate it. Um, yeah, and, there's and very little middle ground. People are either very daunted by it among good era, or some people just go wild with it. I yeah. don't know where I'd probably be a rare occurrence where I'd fall somewhere in the middle, but um, <laughs> I would be more pro improv. I wouldn't shy away from it necessarily because I think you can. Yeah, I think character. even if it's something you're you you don't really believe in, like you know, some actors will yeah. improvise on set, and other actors, and and this is coming from me working in film now and actually working with actors yeah. on the other side of it. You see some of them who are really 
they know every line and they they'll they'll never improvise and other yeah. actors improvise a lot more but regardless of your process once you're once you're actually kind of uh, doing the role the act of improvising as an exercise um is just as in practicing it or kind of doing joining a troupe or doing some classes improv classes even if you hate it it will open up ideas for you it will kind of help you sure. to think about the way that you're pro you process the way that you work it will open up doors i think that's just my perspective some people might turn up to a class and be like tamron has made the worst recommendation in the world <laughs> it probably is uh, a fool's errand but um there's no right or wrong answers <laughs> i guess because i even with exaggerated characters like i think it will be more anarchic comedy black comedy maybe but maybe more anarchic i guess because i guess if you use kind of a stream of consciousness of humor you could have a motive which would involve an exaggerated character or a situation. And even in stage or in movies, I guess you don't rely on the narrative to explain the context of the humor. <laughs> that exaggeration, I think that would, would, I could be wrong, but that it would kind yeah. of portray it more so. But very, very interesting. It's always interesting to have other uh, ways of looking at, looking at things yeah. and uh, different yeah. opinions. Because I guess comedy occurs with uh, meeting off two or maybe even sometimes more. Uh, clearly identifiable ideas that don't match maybe it's a juxtaposition or certain levels of contrasting elements like an odd couple or yeah some form of conflict yeah something. a laurel yeah, and hardy kind of thing um yeah. identifiable ideas that don't match kind of in in con- con- with opposites basically i think that works it's funnier if if, if they work in i wouldn't maybe against each other but a lot of comedy lies in conflict and the everyday. Those are the two kind of things. Not not all. Not every, I mean, I'm not making sweeping statements about how sure. comedy does doesn't work. But for me, like um, ordinary everyday kind of settings and contexts and scenarios with like an unexpected sort of twist mm-hmm. or some sort of conflict. Um, those are the the best, and that makes the best improv as well. So, an improv can be a great. I, I know I'm going on about improv. No, go ahead, so. go work away. Go, <laughs> uh, it, go it, ahead. For anyone who wants to write comedy, it can be a really great tool for coming up with ideas and and sort of exploring characters because it can mm. be really character driven. Um, and and yeah, it's a it's a good uh, tool for devising right when you're writing and stuff like that. Um, so I, I do I do definitely kind of recommend it. Uh, Excellent comedy take note scribblers and anyone <laughs> who is interested in submitting our writing pieces for the shindig or for our radio plays or for any kind of doesn't necessarily have to be no drama related whatever endeavor they may have an idea about an idea about definitely focus on on maybe using more improv because i guess it's a good tool it's a good tool for writing and it depends on what you're trying to accomplish but yeah if you're True. if you're interested in comedy it's certainly one way to go and the shindig is uh, on a separate note but also kind of in line with exploring is like the shindig is the perfect place to and it was for me a couple, on a couple of different occasions to really stretch yourself in areas that you're not uh, like familiar with. So writing yeah. or directing, if you've never done it before, it's kind of the perfect place to do it. You ha- you know, you're going to get an audience, which is really exactly. important I think, for work. I think everyone has a different perspective on this, but I, I would be audience orientated. I think you should be, cre- I would like to create work for an audience in mind. And so with the shindig, there was always there's somebody's going to see your work and you're going to know you're going to yeah. you, trust me when you sit and I know you've experienced this sure. when you sit in an audience watching your work yeah you know what you did right and wrong straight yeah. away yeah. like immediately and you're like and learn as you progress and, and go on it's a really great way to learn it's the same with filmmaking yeah. like make a short film make sure you're sitting with a group of people when when they watch it because you will 
immediately know whether or not you did a good job you will like you won't drama comedy whatever it is you'll just feel you'll feel this feeling in the room you're sitting there and you're like oh my god this is terrible I could just tell right now because I could feel everyone sort of like sinking into themselves and wishing (laughs) they weren't here it's a horrible feeling but uh (laughs) we need to do it to get better and uh, the moments that people laugh or cry or really give a shit feels so good as a creator I think really yeah, definitely it is a good test of ground i always say yeah i guess as you were going on about improv i i think there's maybe a misconception among people that improv has to be really exaggerated or almost lying kind of it's not true and i comedy dialogue i think needs to be believable even to a to on, on a base level you can you can exaggerate it to a point if you're going to connect with the audience i think it needs to be believable at least to a point anyway um, yeah absolutely Absolutely. I think the most, I think the best comedy, I think we've said it kind of at the top is like, is authentic. It's real. It's grounded. Um, You can have heightened characters and, and I mean, it's, it's totally a taste thing, but like even with improv, one of the, the things that you again, kind of really learn as an actor, but even as a writer maybe is um, that authenticity is like being real, being very grounded and then things happening to those characters. That's, very funny and there's nothing more funny than like really ordinary like if you do a scene in improv and you, you're playing an ordinary character and your scene partner's playing an ordinary character and he's they're going through something yeah very relatable a divorce you know you might have a scene that's really heavy the subject matter is like these two people are getting yeah. a divorce um but you there's so much gold because it's so relatable and you can have all these like moments within that that just shine through like i think yeah real comedy is quite grounded for me not real comedy great comedy comedy great that comedy, i yeah. really enjoy is is really grounded yeah and I, I have did you always write your own comedy pieces even with the tightrope stuff and the other kind of improv or so with like improv you don't obviously it's all it's genuinely just improvised so myself it, and you... had shane on so shane and yeah. me had a, an improv group um bill and bob and that would always you just you do re- what we call rehearsals i guess but really that's just you guys um practicing the art of of being in the space together and creating scenes there are some rules within improv that really help you create great work and that's what you would go do your classes and your workshops for but it, it, it real improv obviously is just created on the spot it's really yeah. just made up as you go and um, but in terms of writing I have not actually I've only ever written my own stuff that I've directed I've not directed anyone else's work so okay. from a film perspective there's yeah. um, myself and Emma um, who's my business partner and Pale Rebel and Shane actually co-wrote and directed a web series called Furries a couple of years ago which yeah, we wrote that. and kind of created yeah myself. I've seen that and that involved a lot of the improv community oh thanks yeah. yeah it was that was a very fun project that we yeah. did at the very beginning of our sort of lifespan I was like when we first started Pale Rebel it was just such a great fun experience we made like a six-part web series and we we shot it on the weekends with like all the improv people and we edited it over like two weeks and then we'd release an episode then we'd shoot another episode and we'd edit it and release it and um it was about it was silly and funny and it was a bit like parks and rec kind of in terms of tone and yeah it was really really fun but yeah i've only ever written stuff i've um directed i haven't directed other people's work i would love i've directed in theater i've directed other people's work but in film only my own still time there is time. There is it's time. very nerve wracking to take somebody else. I mean, you had somebody direct, um, um, Louise directed your play, but like, yeah. 
I would, you know, some people find that really nerve wracking to give their work over. Well, I I didn't find it. I I understand why, because I didn't, uh, I've since then, I have many pieces I directed myself since then. One, two, three, four. I've directed four since then myself. So I trusted Louise. So that was, I I knew it was in good hands with Louise. If I hadn't known Louise, I probably would have been a bit like, oh, I hope they don't take what I've written. And and in this case, what me and Peter have written and, and, Butchered it. I hope it. There's always a little. I mean, it's only a shindig piece. I mean, come on, it's not. It's lighthearted enough. It's not I mean, I think but, collaboration. Yeah, you have trust yeah. is the most integral part if you're going to ask somebody to take Very your work. But there's nobody yeah. in no drama I wouldn't trust. I would trust them enough to to do a good job. I would. Yeah, Just, absolutely. For the most part, I I know they 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 wouldn't sabotage it or or <laughs> make it something it wasn't and try and be controversial with someone else's work. They are. They'd be good. Yeah. yeah. But, um, <laughs> And even with the improv, so I guess with improv, it's off the cuff. But I would you agree that, or even if it's improv, you still need to have that. And I guess uh, there's this element of surprise throughout. But you still, and you're gonna, I guess you're gonna catch the the, the audience unawares. In a yeah. way, it's a little bit predictable, but there still has to be a three act structure. There has to be that beginning, middle, ending, and like even in a romantic comedy or whatever, there's an arc structure, you know. They they how, how do you do this? They they get the girl. They they screw it up. They have to get her back. The 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 conflict and then the the resumption at the end of of the love affair or something like that. There's always a yeah. I suppose like really great improv shows, like really incredible improv shows, have that sense of closure at the end for the audience. Now in reality, you're like making stuff up as you go, uh, and that's where ninety percent of the comedy lies in improv. Like you know, yeah. it's just very funny to watch people. Like you're quite like I find I find as an audience member when I'm watching improv, you're just so impressed with like mm-hmm. it doesn't take a lot to get the audience to laugh because it's just like oh my god they're making that up as they go. But because you're making it up as you go, you run the risk of things being very tangenty and like yeah. not getting any conclusion and and not. But a great show will have a sense of like peaks and troughs and and there's lots of different structures within improv and and like the further you get in you can like when I was performing with mob theater we did the Harold and the Harold is a very structured way of approaching an improv yeah. uh, show it's like you go out you do a scene and um, you do a series of three short scenes you then do um like a group scene where everybody's in and then you revisit the idea of those original three scenes in, in slightly different ways. And then you do another group scene and each time the stakes are kind of heightening. I'm not explaining it well. And if anyone, no, you are. Mob, if anyone from mob is listening to this or <laughs> like any of my previous coaches, dear Aaron, they'll probably be like, she's butchering the explanation, but it's quite technical. It's sure. quite a technical type of improv where you really have to understand the structure. You couldn't just jump in and do it. You need yeah. to understand the structure to participate. But those ones can can build really satisfying like um like arcs, I guess. You 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 kind of come back to characters or come back and, and sort of close things off if it goes well. It can also go horribly wrong, but that's also just as fun in some ways. Sure. It's, yeah. There's always a risk. But I guess it's it's how you turn it around. I think if you can if you can turn it around quickly. It's all about having fun with the. If you're having fun and you're on stage yeah. with people you trust, you can just do really wild, mad stuff, and um, it's just it's very satisfying. Uh, with, it's I know. I, I guess the last time there was an actual physical tightrope show, I never actually seen any of the mob pieces. I don't think I have anyway. But with the tightrope ones, I think the last time you guys done an actual physical show in the Pearson Centre was last February, was it? Maybe yeah, you weren't involved with that one. Yeah, I, I, I would. I probably wasn't. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think I performed because, yeah, I don't think I performed basically any of last year. It feels like I probably did one or two shows and then yeah. the lockdown happened and, sure. and I haven't really. 
any yeah. any joy? What's going to happen? Do you know? Any? It's impossible to know. But will it resume? It's really after hard the lockdown? to know. Yeah. I, yeah, I took a step back. Like work has yeah. been like pale rebel, yeah. um, and filmmaking have kind of really taken the company is quite is taking off quite a bit, and we're just yeah. very very busy. So just before lockdown, lockdown. I sort of computer made the decision wood. to step back. Yeah, I made this <laughs> decision to kind of take a little bit of a break from comedy because yeah. comedy is like it's it's quite consuming and it, and it's um there's a certain energy you need to get on stage and perform for people very much um, that like i i don't think i had like i needed a break from it but it's been a year now so who knows when when lockdown comes to an end maybe i'll be ready to get back on stage hopefully here's hoping um (laughs) you mentioned that we did touch upon pale rebel at the beginning Uh, tell the folks out there a little bit about pale pale rebel um anything anything pale rebel your 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 baby um I mean, it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. Um, like the last three years, myself and Emma have just worked. This is the first Christmas we took off, like properly took a couple of weeks off um, because it's been um, full on trying to get a film production company up off the ground. It's a lot like the arts are a very tough space to move into. It's sure. very hard to make a consistent living. And I, and not that that's the key goal when you first start, but it, you know, you, you really want to get to a place where you can legitimately be making work that gets seen and you get your, you, you're kind of making a wage while you're doing it. So that's, um, we've just been working really hard. We were really lucky to get some great opportunities. Um, our first feature film, Redemption of a Rogue, which is directed by Philip Doherty, uh, went on and won Galway really unexpectedly like we, we were absolutely thrilled with that and that was a big win for us and off the back of that we were given the opportunity to produce a second feature film which is uh, called It Is In Us All and it's directed by Antonia Campbell-Hughes who's a very um, very experienced and prolific actor um, and this is her debut feature and it was with, fully funded by Screen Ireland and that's now in post-production and should be out later this year and Redemption of Rogue should also be out later this year once lockdown's over and cinemas are open, hopefully, hopefully. Um, we'll get a cinema release. Otherwise, we'll probably just have to go online onto something, one yeah. of the online platforms. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I um, I think it's a hard and it's a tough journey, but it's worth, if you want to work in the arts, um, I think it's worth doing these things. I think it's worth like, you know, you, I, I don't want to wake up in, in 10 years and, and be in a job I, I'm not passionate about and be working for a company that I don't care about so that was my motivation and I really want to be able to create and there's a lot of control when you're producing because you get to choose the projects you really want to focus on and you can produce your own work so you can produce other people's work you can find incredible writers and directors and get to make their work and that is actually quite satisfying and I didn't realize how creative producing was because you're working with directors and writers yeah. on their script right from the beginning and you're sure. talking to them about what they're trying to achieve and you're you know it's a valuable sort of creative experience and then simultaneously we now have the skill set that I'm able to write and direct a short film and Emma will produce it and we'll you know we're I'm able to put out that content that way and she'll do the same and so who knows where it'll lead I mean hopefully in a couple of years we'll we'll really be producing a lot of our own work as well as other people's so Fingers crossed. Oh, it's fingers all going crossed. well anyway. It's going well. It sounds it's going excellent by the sounds of it. And I mean, at least you're not totally affected and, and totally locked down by the lockdown. Excuse the pun, but yeah, we it's you kept going, <laughs> which is fantastic because I mean, yeah, we were really lucky. The we filmed during so, lockdown. Yeah, 
No, it's not. Yeah, yeah. We been coping with the with the with filming schedules and stuff. Is has it been completely? Has it turned it upside down, or has it really like stalled the production, or has it changed it away? Because even with us in no drama, even with like shindigs and stuff, people have had to learn to adjust. And yeah. I mean, even with general work, people have to use Zoom and communicate in other ways. How in in the world of film has how has that been been going? Has I think everyone is still figuring out what the actual long term impact is from a practical perspective. We were able to film during lockdown, which was yeah. like because yeah. you know we still fall, fall into. A specific category that means that we're able to to continue working during those periods but uh, it's very hard and then it's yeah. affected like the festivals because they're all online yeah. and yeah. that sort of stuff I, I I think I was actually quite like in my own head about it and sort of we were just working we were making our feature film we were getting stuff done so I wasn't paying attention as much to the long-term repercussions sure. but I went for a walk the other day with a friend and it and I had watched this documentary about ballet dancers in the U.S. Okay. and uh, it just hit me really hard I was like oh like there was all these students working so hard to graduate from SAB which is like a prolific ballet company in the U.S. and there's no work for them presumably presumably there's nothing for them and I think because I'm not um only acting yeah I forgot like especially theater like I you know I've been so invested in the film world which I think because content people crave content so much sure sure, of course be able to work but like you know I I really it really hit me I was like the theater space will have suffered so much in the last year um, and even when you're talking about no drama there, because like yeah. over the last year, I ha- like I suppose just before lockdown, I, as I said, I'd taken a step back and I wasn't really participating as much in like the theatre world or um, comedy. Yeah. And uh, I I forgot that like, yeah, I suppose every week I was getting on stage and I was performing. And now the only if there's an upside to it is we are adjusting and learning new ways and techniques to do it. The last thing we wanted to do was like wallow about and say, like, oh, no, we can't go on. I was like, no, we can yeah. we'll adjust it a little bit and it's going to be a little bit sidetracked, yeah. but we'll, we'll get there in the end. And that's why I need tips as well, because we may have to film our uh, summer production seminar, which uh, Karina is directing and I am assistant director. And uh, hopefully we we'll get to do it on stage eventually, but it's looking more than likely we probably will have to do it on film in some capacity. Um, hopefully yeah. we will be able, able to film in the theatre space and, and get in there and do it. Um, hopefully it will be in the Teachers Club in the spring, late spring, summer, hopefully. But um, it's just the not knowing, I think, is there's a lot of... Uh, leaves a lot of questions questions unanswered it's hard to get momentum it's hard yeah. to like feel very invested in things when you're not really sure where the what the goal is but like i mean yeah as you said the next year things will start to change and yeah um, and new stuff will have come out of it like new sure. way participating or doing things so that's kind of exciting always in the art space we're pretty creative people very much so <laughs> uh i know you're busy but i need to well hopefully we can get you back to do a workshop so, yeah, I, I know. Yeah. I, I I only did one or two in the last couple of years, yeah. and um, I do. I think I get very nervous because every time No Drama asks me to do a workshop, I get really like, "Oh no, I have to come <laughs> up with something brilliant." But every time I do it, I really enjoy it. I'm, I, you know, so I, I should come back and I'll great. do maybe another. Always great fun. They're always fantastic workshops. They're always great fun. Really, oh, and truly. You. I was going to ask you about being a woman director and see—is it still yeah, an odd bias? Because that's going too political or too deep about it. But just to, to see. Because it is kind of still a lot of male domination and then any kind of obstacles you've had to overcome or... Yeah, I mean, I suppose um, there's two sides to it, uh, sort of being a female in the creative space. And I, I can talk about it a little bit as a director, but even more as a producer, probably. Sure. Yeah. Um, 
it's like a double-sided coin because um you you do it is a very male orientated space i'm speaking specifically about film filmmaking yeah. now it's quite male oriented male dominant i should say sure. um, and so you yeah you do feel that at times and you do have to deal with some energy that's quite um masculine and a little mansplaining does happen and all the usual stuff sure sure uh, but I suppose the other side to that is like a frustration and this is a very much a personal experience and everyone uh, and everyone can feel quite differently about it and I'm always really hesitant to talk about it in too much detail but there is a sure. sense at times that um, there's an, a really strong focus on elevating female filmmakers which is fantastic and it's mm-hmm. really great that Screen Ireland does things like the POV scheme which is to yeah. support first-time female directors and I do think initiatives like that are great at times it's hard to different you know you want to be seen um you want your work to be seen and for validated for For the work and and less for you know um your gender and it can be a little hard to differentiate sometimes if you've been given an opportunity because you're um, a female and they're really trying to, this, the industry is trying to sort of give opportunities mm-hmm. in that direction or if it's because your work is the best work. And sometimes I think like the focus for me and for Emma, we talk about this a lot, is the best person for the job, the best project, the best writing, yeah. whatever it is. It's just looking at it, really trying to look at it objectively and be like, is sure. it the best um, work you know yeah. um, the quality, as again as I said earlier the quality of the work is the one main thing that that stands out beyond money or gender politics yeah. or anything like that yeah yeah you want to work with and like I, I think it's 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 hard it's a it's a hard thing to navigate because um the space there it's an example is like on the technical side with filmmaking there's a lot more men in the in working in the technical side yeah um and so when you're looking for somebody to fill a role on a film set you really just want the best person to do the job sure, and you're, sure. not, you're not really thinking about gender. But look, saying that, um, I think it's important to create opportunities yeah. that are going to elevate. Like we need more people, uh, more females to be working in this space and to yeah. be given the opportunities to like to increase their skill sets and elevate themselves. Um, I just think underlying all of that, the most important thing is to be thinking about the work and the quality yeah. of the work above anything else. My own experience has been really really good for the most part um there have been moments where I've felt that my gender has made people maybe speak to me in a certain way or right. treat me okay. in a certain way that it might not and me and me and Emma have said on occasion like I really feel like if I was a male producer I wouldn't be spoken to this way I sure. wouldn't kind of get patronized in this way but you know that also is just one of those things that you're like you don't know if that's true you exactly. don't really know if that's yeah. true yeah, trailblaze yourself on and, and keep just with yeah the we're the just work. like okay yeah. we, we're, we're just trying to make it we're just trying to make it and it's got nothing to do with i don't think either of us want to be identified exclusively sure. as like female producers of course. we just want to be really great producers a great producer producing. is a great producer regardless yeah exactly yeah. and yeah. and everything is about that and and kind of comes from that place so we try not to be too um we try not to let it influence the work that we're doing or sure. picking because I think there is there is incentives to kind of be like okay I'm I really want to work with female writer directors because there's a lot of funding that you know it's Comes easier to it. not yeah. easier to access but that is available sure. for females and you you know but you don't want to be um you want to be making choices for the work I think on above anything else yeah so 
that's uh, that's my two cents. I hope nobody sends me a message giving out to me about something. That's no, they won't. They can blame me. <laughs> I, I asked the question, so I take full responsibility. No, I'm. I mean, it's good to talk about it. Really is. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Um. I, unless you have anything else to add. No, I mean it's been great. Thank you so much for having me, and oh, I'm glad thank you. Dramas, um, finding ways to kind of keep putting content out there. Um, and I'm glad the shindig's going ahead. That's really cool to do. Yeah, we worked hard the first time around in during lockdown to get it done again, and it's looking like it was successful enough the last time around to, to push forward and, and do it again. So we're really oh, looking forward awesome. to that. That's fab. We're looking forward to our radio plays and the summer production, and like that, we're looking forward to all of the arts. We're looking forward to seeing what you're going to come up with next. And, and yeah, dude, like I mean, again. check us out on Instagram. We're terrible at social media, um, but I believe we have an Instagram which Emma looks after yeah. called. Uh, uh, pale rebel productions i don't know what our handle is um but yeah just keep your eyes out for redemption of a rogue and it is in us all because they will be out in cinemas or online in the next year so yeah well i will definitely be checking it out i will tell the listeners to please do and once again thank the wonderful tamron for joining me and i say thank you so so much and i will bid you good luck and good night good night good sir Big thanks again to the wonderful Tamara for being such a wonderful conversationalist. Thank you for lending some of your time. I know you were busy, so we really appreciate it here at No Drama. Hopefully we will speak again soon. And please do check out Pale Rebel Productions' social media sites for further details on upcoming projects. Now, speaking of upcoming projects, not only do we have the Shindig coming up soon in March, we also have the next Bring Your Own Light for No Drama this Monday, the 18th of January kick off normally around 7pm do check out the social media sites for no drama for further details so we're going to try and kick 2021 off with a bang for those of our listeners who aren't so familiar our bring your own from home nights is basically a platform to perform from anything from a poem to a short story theatre piece song monologue you name it we want to hear it and if you are interested in signing up you can please send us an email at contact at no again please check out our social media websites for further details And also this week, we were delighted to announce the cast for our next main production, Seminar. It's been one hell of a year, but Seminar is going ahead. It's a play written by Theresa Rebeck, and it's going to be directed by our wonderful Karina. I'm going to be assisting, and the cast is going to be Jane Tui, Greg Freegrove, John Lawler, Saka Hurley, and Andre Callanan. Congratulations, guys. You did a great job, and we are looking forward to working with you and seeing what you're going to give us on stage. Well done and congratulations once again. Also a big thank you to Peter Blenner Hassett and our wonderful Siobhan aka Shivy Hickey for writing and directing the last play that Court and Call broadcast Arrivals. It sent us back into the top five of the Apple podcast rankings. Here in Ireland we also have a lot of international listeners now via the streaming platforms in over 27 countries so keep the downloads coming. We really appreciate it and we really are excited about your support and the wonderful comments, feedbacks and reviews people have left us. For our next edition, we will be broadcasting another radio play. This time it's a play called It's Still Me, and it's written by the fantastic Kieran Connolly. So please keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one, and check out the social media websites for more information also. Here at No Drama, we are always on the lookout for scripts and new talent for all the fabulous projects that we have in the works. We're going into our second year for our court and call. We debuted in October of 2020. 
And with the successes of our radio plays, we really are happy to receive any scripts you may like us to consider for future episodes. This includes any actors out there, including their current members that would be interested in reading or recording for future radio plays. You can contact us via email. Again, it's contact at nodrama.com. Or you can drop us a direct message on social media and let us know if you're interested. As always, we would love to hear from you. Our Tuesday night workshops are online still and kick off at 7pm. Check it out on the social media sites also. And I'm also happy to announce that Court and Call will now be broadcast on Dublin South FM 93.9, 10 o'clock on Saturday nights. We made our radio debut last night with our first episode, which was streamed back in October. The guest on that show was Shane Robinson. You can also check out DublinSouthFM.com and their social media sites for more information regarding the radio broadcasts. Please feel free to go and check our retrospective editions that's episodes one to six keep the downloads coming once again a big thank you to our listeners for all their support we hope everyone is doing well and staying safe keep listening to court and call and until we speak again peace out